Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Well, hello, hello, Police Science Doctor Tribe. This is Suzanne Knabelikol from policesciencedoctor.com, believe it or not. Uh, welcome to the festive week of 2021. Yes, it is 2021. I've got three new police science snippets for you, as I do every week, but also this week and the next. You may have already seen it on social media, on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. I'm actually re-streaming, re-broadcasting some of the most popular interviews I did with some really influential people in the field who have um, a lot to say about their experience of working on certain types of crime or the research that they did in the field. So um, keep your eyes open. I will probably usually be streaming them around 2 o'clock in the afternoon GMT. Um, please look up what that means for your respective time zone, but actually you will be able to watch these later on um, in your social media stream. So again, they're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter on the Police Science Doctor page, although LinkedIn is actually on my on my page so just look up Suzanne Knabenikold with that weird spelling you can see there in the bottom left corner and it's Knabenikold hardly anyone knows how to pronounce that properly but let's get on with the police science snippets for this week so what I've got for you is first one is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and criminality so um, individuals with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder are estimated to be 19 times more likely to, en to encounter the criminal justice system. Okay, so that's only also almost 20% more likely to get involved with the criminal justice system than people who have not been exposed to alcohol before they were born. So I, um, I think uh, this is going to be a very controversial statement. Personally, I think uh, every woman should decide in the early stages if she wants to continue with the pregnancy or not. But if she decides to continue with the pregnancy, I think she's fully responsible for that child and she should be putting only healthy things into herself as far as possible. And I think it's very, it's, it's very, very irresponsible to be taking, um, to be ingesting alcohol when you're pregnant. But that's, that's my opinion and um, people will disagree on what I said about continuing pregnancy or not. And to be honest, I don't want to get into that discussion. But I think it's something that has obviously a very, very strong impact on the future development of the child that you're building when you're pregnant. And um, so I think that needs to be taken into account. And for anyone who works or has some any kind of contact with with anyone who has um, fetal alcohol syndrome or who is um, who knows of somebody who is pregnant and is ingesting alcohol, um, that lady should be given all the help needed for her to be able to come come off that as quickly and as safely as possible. So you now know from the research that I've, um, that I've quoted here how um, how devastating it is to the, to that life of the person who's that that baby has not made even a single decision yet and things have already been decided in against its favor or in its disfavor or to its disadvantage. So I think that is a very, very important topic here. Um, the second topic is skills transfer from police training into the field. So police recruits were asked in the study about their experiences, about what they had learned in policing school or policing college and then when they actually started working um, as a police officer. And they felt that the um, the chaotic, chaotic and highly dynamic nature of the situations in real police work 
were not actually um, well prepared for in training. And also they felt that police training often focuses on dealing with extreme threats and actually real life, in real life, those extreme threats um, are quite rare. So that could, they felt that led to them being sort of hyper vigilant and um, continues to perceive social situations as potentially threatening and dangerous. And obviously that might already trigger a heightened aggressive response from the police officer because that's what they were taught taught about in training. So they might perhaps, perhaps overestimate risk. So I thought that was quite interesting because we don't do much, we haven't done much research about how police training is actually transferred into into real life police work. And the third snippet for today, the costs of contact child sexual abuse. So contact child, child sexual abuse is what takes place offline. It's what takes place between people physically present and in the same room together. Um, a government paper has calculated the cost of contact child sexual abuse as 10 billion pounds in 2018-2019. Now that's not an annual cost because what's, what that cost includes is preventative measures such as um, you know, preventative training programs for offenders, for example, or for people who are at risk of offending. That can't be, you know, that, that's not a different number every year necessarily. So it includes the cost of these prevention programs, training for police and anyone else dealing with it, healthcare costs, social costs, criminal justice costs, lost output costs, and many other things. So 10 billion pounds is a very, very high number. And you know, if, if, the, if the psychological and emotional harm that is being done to children through abuse, through sexual abuse was not enough, then um, maybe, maybe that figure will, will do more to convince certain people to put more into prevention. So these were the science snippets for this week. Um, I hope you found those useful. Again, if you come across research that you, has, that you think has something actionable and something practical to it, please send it to me, contact at policesciencedoctor.com and policesciencedoctor is dr.com um, because I'm trying to find three actionable pieces of research findings for you guys every week. I send them out every Tuesday to my email list um, I've got over 2,000 subscribers onto that, on that email list and they get the link to the original research in that email and they can also download all the previous snippets. This is number 55. I've been doing this for 55 weeks now. Over a year, I'm getting really good feedback. People are finding those really interesting and, and helpful. And I guess some of them are downloading the PDFs and have a whole library of those 55 um, snippets. So if, if you want to have access to those previous week's snippets and if you want to get these snippets emailed to you with the links to the original research, just go to policesciencedoctor.com as in policesciencedr.com and leave your details in the registration form there and you'll be added to the list and I'll be sending you those every Tuesday. So I hope you have a good festive period and hope you will find some of the interviews interesting that I'm streaming this week and next week and um, I'll see you at the, at the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps, and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address, and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts. Thank you.